I saw this big swing, and I remember thinking, wow, there is so much power. I mean, if you see his lower half, you know where the power comes from. And I thought... This is the Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Carabell. Hi there, welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Thursday morning, March 21st, 2019. I am Eric, he is Tristan. Joining us today, awesome researcher slash occasional producer because someone has to do it, Kyle Sapi, And courageous editorial watchdog Leo Howe is here to make sure we don't make any mistakes. Today's show, we have two baseball games that already counted. We have to discuss those. Latest injuries and news, closers, Tristan's bold calls, perhaps a special guest, and of course, myriad hash browns. Tristan, yeah, I hope you got your brackets in, right? Because uh, NCAA games have already, by the time you're listening to this, they've already started. Who'd you pick to win? I, I did, and none of mine are going to be wrong at all. None. Not really? at all. Not not a single one. I'm going to get a perfect bracket. 100% no question accuracy. I like it. Oh, without a doubt. Because like I the... read your column. Sure. Sold. You can't possibly go wrong. So if I don't get a perfect bracket, I'm pointing to you, Kyle. And if you do, you take all the credit. That's how this works. <laughs> Seriously, though, good work on that. Appreciate that. Since I don't know what I'm doing, I pick Virginia. Nothing wrong with that. Um, Kyle, your versatility never ceases to amaze me. Is there anything you can't do? I learn from the best, Eric. I mean, you write about all the sports, so, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, that's, that's not going to work here. I have no pull anymore, so <laughs> you can say all the nice things you want. No, I'm in the door man. now, so we got as far as we needed to. Yes, you have gotten in the door. All right. So Villanova or Temple, Eric? Which well, one did you pick lost. to win? Neither. Uh, um, I, I don't pick with my heart. Um, I I have I have two brackets. I have Virginia winning one and Gonzaga winning one. So you know, okay. number one seeds, obviously, but they're really good teams. So yeah, I think yeah. they're going to both win. One seeds uh, for a reason. Well, they can't both win. I just want to make, you know, we sure could totally, make that clear. But. We could totally get into the obscure questions of those 16 seeds, how they ended up in the, the brackets I, that, that, that they're in. <laughs> Fairly Dickinson's West? What? Yeah, location doesn't really matter other than the top <laughs> seeds. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> New Jersey's, it's kind of like near Seattle now. It's, it's uh, really West. <laughs> let's get to it. Here's the news of the day with the buzz. <laughs> All right. Um, I love morning baseball, I got to tell you. And I know a lot of people complained about it, but you know what? Stop. Who complained? What else are you doing? It's baseball. It's morning. Wake up. Watch baseball. Obviously, if you're on the West Coast, like a lot of athletics and Mariners fans, you might not have wanted to wake up at like four in the morning or three in the morning. But um, anyway, the Mariners sweep a pair from the athletics in Tokyo. Those games do count. They will count for ESPN numbers as well. Um, if you draft this weekend, they will count if they're in your active lineup when the draft is over. At least the best I can tell. But maybe not. Uh, Ichiro played, and we found out during the second game that he actually retired. Uh, and then he didn't do much in the game. But the crowd cried. Teammates cried. People watching cried. Special moments. Tristan, I want to know. Um, I remember Ichiro as a fantastic fantasy option. Like a top ten option a few times. Um, was he ever a top ten fantasy pick? He was actually on one occasion. He was the ninth overall pick in the 2002 season coming off that big rookie year. But I, I, just because he only did it one time, and by the way, he also was uh, top 10 uh, in 2001 on the Player Raider as well, and in 2007. They're the only two times he was top 10. Just because he didn't make the top 10 more often, that do- often than that doesn't mean he was a bad player. He was consistently top 30 overall, both in ADP and Player Raider during the prime of his career. Just an extraordinary player, and that was a great moment for baseball. I enjoyed every minute of 
to this this morning, even with my little question about, you know, do they pinch hit for him in the ninth inning? You know, they didn't have to worry about it. He came out there and he, I, I wanted him to beat out that infield hit, didn't you? I did too. I mean, nothing that happened in that game changes changes the way we view each year. I mean, he's he's 45 years old. I mean, <laughs> the fact that he's still in good enough shape to even be in that game. And that arm. Ooh. Oh, still there. Um, so great career from Ichiro. Thank you so much. But I do want to ask you, so I'm going to name some players that played in this series, and you tell me if they're value-altered for fantasy. Do you move them in your rankings? Do you consider it and not do it? Like, just brief thoughts here. Sure. Um, let's start with Seattle starting pitcher today. You say Kikuchi. Um, no. Uh, I, I think he, he kind of showed us what we should expect, which is going to be a modest number of innings, but electric stuff. I, I am... Very impressed by the breaking pitches. They're a little bit sharper than I thought they would be. Tougher on opposing hitters. And even as he gets more looks to opposing batters, I, I think they're still going to play pretty well. So maybe I move him up, you know, two, three spots. I, I don't think it's much, if, if anything. I don't think I was surprised by anything he did today. He didn't go deep in the game. He was not efficient. If it was Kikuchi versus Marco Gonzalez, he had one pitching spot. I mean, most people are going to take Kikuchi, but should they? Gonzalez was far more efficient in his start. He was more efficient, but I didn't think he was necessarily better. And I think he's going to have to Are rely... either going to be strikeout guys? Like, are either of these guys, if you give them 175 innings, will either strike out like eight per nine? I, I think Kikuchi's more likely. And and I had him nice. ranked ever so slightly ahead of these two in the first place. So I just feel a little bit firmer about that ranking now. I had my questions going in. All right. Next up, Hunter Strickland, Seattle closer. No, other than, you know, good start to the year, just like last, and there's a lot of injuries around him. I, I just don't see competition. It's two saves in the book. He's going to be drafted this weekend, whereas he probably wouldn't have if these games didn't play. So he's overrated. He's going to be drafted as a top – he'll be drafted as a top 20 closer because he already has two saves in the books. Yep, and for that, Guaranteed. he will be overrated. So don't you don't – neither of us think he finishes the year as the closer. Well, I mean, they, they signed him to a deal that makes it likely they will – try to trade him for something yes. at the deadline. So that, that has an impact. And he would be like the sixth inning guy for the Dodgers. So anyway, get him now if you want two saves in the books. Um, next, Domingo Santana, provider of a grand slam and a stolen base, though not in the same game. Yeah, so in his case, perhaps I underranked him. I had him my 68th outfielder. I, I can make the case Ooh. he... Uh, you say, oh, I mean, I've got other multi-position guys that would probably make it more of a true 55th, somewhere in the 55 to 60. I'm severely underrating him. I think you're 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 jumping too far ahead from one grand slam. Well, I had him ranked. I had him on a bushel of teams to start with, so okay. I don't know where I have him ranked. I haven't looked recently, but I've been saying for months, if he was a 30-15 guy two years ago, why can't he do something like that again? So I don't. The fact that he hit a grand slam and stole a base. Ups his value probably too much for the weekend, right? But I don't have any more drafts, so I don't care. I have already got him everywhere, so sure. I'm happy with so that. So what do you rank I, him? I, as? He must be in my top fifty outfielders. If not, he's got to be close. I don't know why I wouldn't have. I've been talking about him since he signed, since he was traded there. So yeah, I'm on board with that. Um, I think fifty is that line you draw, and maybe you're over, maybe you're under. But I mean, it would it shock me if he ended up top twenty again, like two years ago. Absolutely not. So. Again, that's why I kind of went towards him in a bunch of different drafts and a sure. sim league. Sure. Uh, Tim Beckham, batting 714 so far with a homer. Not a thing. Nothing changes. Uh, look, I'm, I right. mean, it, it locks him down for a job. I, I 
J.P. Crawford was demoted. Beckham might keep this job for a while. How about Chad Pinder starting both games instead of Mark Hanna? Didn't expect that. Yeah, and Pinder, I feel like I already gave him a positive enough rank. This is a daily league kind of... Uh you know, puzzle piece you can use. I, I don't think there's value beyond that, but I like to see, I like seeing the creativity. Could play left, could play second, could fill in a little bit short, could get some right field time, even could play center, first base. We saw him in there late in the game. There's, there's avenues for him to play, but you use him only against lefties. Uh, Mike Fires got lit up. Anybody who drafted him already dropped him. Nobody will draft him this weekend, but still potentially a top 40 starting pitcher just like last year. Um, I, I mean, 40. You didn't 40, like him anyway. Not not as a top forty guy, and I don't think he was close I don't, to that. I don't I don't rank him as a top forty guy. I'm saying he could end up there, and I bet he wasn't that far off from it last year. I'm Nobody pretty sure he was there. That. Yeah, but I mean, he had a very good year last year. I mean, and and I don't want to condemn him based on one game. He had a he had a mediocre spring, which you and I talked about coming into this game in the first place. But why would you care about that? Care that Mark, Mark, Mike Fires had a bad spring. I don't. And why would you? Because it matters for his value for this season. If he's not going to be impressive in any way during spring training, then can't we look at last year as like it was a helium season? I just so wait, you you're saying you're putting more stock into three starts in spring training than you are from all of last season? I'm not saying Mike Fires is great, but Mike Fires is the sixth starter on your team in a ten team standard. Roto or points? You're saying. No, because he had a couple bad spring starts and he got lit up two days ago. No, but that that keeps him from being a top forty guy. I, I just I don't think that's even in the conversation. I, I feel like if he's not going to do anything that makes him look like the improved pitcher that we saw on the mound last season, then why am I going to treat him like a repeat candidate? Oh my God, who are you? Okay, um, moving uh, on. Do you oh, have him in your top forty? Of course not. But I'm saying nothing changed for me on Mike Fires from four weeks ago. What he did last season is eminently repeatable, I think. And I don't okay. think what we saw two days ago means that he can't do it again. I just I can't believe you're reacting that way. I, th- I think okay. we just disagree I mean, on his skills. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not putting as much weight as you think I am on the spring numbers. I just don't see a lot here to be excited about, and I didn't a week ago. We were excited about Jesus Lazardo. He's out four to six weeks with a strained shoulder, which means we won't see him until May at least. Um, your thoughts here. He's going to get drafted in a lot of ESPN leagues, but then probably dropped as soon as they realize he's out for at least a month. Is he a stash guy? Do you not care anymore? What do you think? It's a real shame here because the the roster wrinkle is the problem. If you draft him, he's a non-roster invitee, not a 40-man guy, which means probably not going on the MLB DL, so you can't stash him there. From that aspect, I'd say he's off. You got to scratch him off the list for the ESPN standard leagues, and it's a shame also for the AL only leagues or the deeper ones with yeah. the deep benches because it's going to be missed time, and they are going to take a more conservative approach. You know, you make a good point. I hadn't thought about that. The fact that he has no MLB time, so he'll be on the minor league DL. That stinks. Yeah. He should be. He should get the Astros like the other guys, like Michael Fulmer. I don't know why anybody would want Michael Fulmer now. Is there any reason to even roster Fulmer in a dynasty league? He needs Tommy John surgery. He he kind of underperformed each of the past two seasons after the great rookie year. Are we just giving up forever on Michael Fulmer now? Well, not forever, but I think you'd have to be in a league with contracts, with a lot of depth. You turn over a lot of players. The problem with Fulmer is that he's a pitch-to-contact guy, not a high K per nine. It's been extremely low, in fact. So I don't like to lock in players like that year over year. I want the K guys. I looked up Tigers pitchers in ESPN League standard. Only one Tigers pitcher is rostered in more than 18% of leagues. That's Shane Green, the bad closer. Um, Spencer Turnbull 
looked good against the Phillies in spring training yesterday. I would not roster him in a 10-team only, but I took a shot on him in my, very late, like round 40 in my score sheet league. Anything about the Tigers here, pitching that you like? Matt Boyd, maybe? Green bounces back with an ERA below five, anything? Yeah, I kind of do like Boyd, even if it's just from a matchups perspective. Uh, If you want to throw a dart on him with your last pick, and I'd say more in the 12-team leagues, feel free. I do think there's a little bit more K potential than people are giving him credit for. I also like Jimenez a lot. I think we can dive a little bit more into the closers. I I just don't think Green is a great, pitcher. I think he's good, and I think he could repeat as what he did last season, but it's not extraordinary. If Jimenez comes out with lightning stuff, maybe there's a change later in the year. Alright, one more guy, and then we'll get to the closer carousel. Eloy Jimenez of the White Sox signed a long-term deal, much like Scott Kingery, with no big league at-bats, but this is a big deal. I, mean, I think it was last year for Kingery, because I mean he made the team, but he was terrible. Eloy's not going to be terrible. Does he make the White Sox? Do you move him up to where Vlad is? Because Vlad's not playing in the major leagues in April. Eloy might for the entire month. And I think they're very similar hitters here for batting average and power. I can make the case that if you want to leave Vlad at number 60 or wherever he's going, Eloy belongs there if the White Sox tell us this weekend that he's making the team. Yeah, and I kind of like your thinking here. I I had the very same thought. Do I put Eloy ahead of Vladimir Guerrero? And then, of course, we heard the whispers that they might not put him on the opening day roster. If I had that promise... And I knew that Vlad was going to miss April, which is what I I would guess as of today. I would rather have Eloy Jimenez, but I don't want to get too optimistic about him. I mean, he's in a great ballpark there, and I love his all-field hitting approach. Always have. Maybe we put him at 90, we put Vlad at 95. That's kind of, I, I don't have a problem with that sort of ranking or treatment right now. All right, uh, let's talk bullpens. We haven't done it so much. Here's the closer carousel. The closer carousel. Let's start with Milwaukee. Jeremy Jeffress is already on the injured list. Corey Knable complained of a tired arm yesterday. And there are reports that Craig Kimbrell and the Brewers are talking. Uh, and, of course, they still have Josh Hader, who could go from single-digit saves to 30, you know, and make my do-not-draft list look ridiculous. What is happening here? Who do you think gets Milwaukee saves uh, the first week or two? I mean, I think it's got to be Hader at this point because, as you said, Jeffress will be on the I.L. and... Knable might also be on it, so it's got to be Hater. I, I personally like Knable. This this really <laughs> took me by surprise. I wasn't aware of the fact that he was having this many injury issues or, or any question about that. I still think he's got great stuff, and I think he has the ability to bounce back to close to where he was two years ago. Yeah, you have Knable in your bold statements uh, article, and I agree with every part of it. I think he's a 10 closer if he's healthy, but I wasn't aware that he wasn't healthy. This stuff changes literally every day. Something yeah. changes in the closer ranks. Check out Tristan's article there. We'll get bold with him a little bit more. Um, any other closer situations that you're watching this weekend up until opening day? Um, I feel like we know at least two-thirds of them by now, but I'll ask you. Cardinals, what do you think? I do think they're going matchup-based. Uh, I think they are trying to gear Alex Reyes up to kind of preview for the closer role during the year. I do think it's going to be a little bit more of Hicks getting the job initially, but I think that there will be matchups where Andrew Miller does get the ball. Twins, what do you think? I personally feel like it's going to be Trevor May. I, that could be another matchups bullpen, new manager, Rocco Baldelli and the like. I mean, he might go with a matchups approach. I think May's the guy you want to invest in. He may close. He may not. How about the Phillies? I actually like your projections dead on for this, with the exception that you you know I like Hector Neris a lot, and 
I I think there might be days he gets thrown in there ahead of Sir Anthony Dominguez even. So I think there will be you know it's going to be something like twenty five. 10-ish, 12-ish for, for, for Dominguez, and maybe Neris gets 5-8. to eight. I think they're going to move him around a bit. Yeah, I don't think David Robertson gets more than 25 saves. And they keep saying that it's going to be a committee, I, and I'm fine with that. That's a good way to do it, to do business. Sir Anthony, Sir Anthony, you don't want pitching on consecutive days, for example, after what happened last year. Robertson can, but you can bring in Robertson in the 7th if you need to. So the, the one I would still draft first there is Robertson, but Dominguez would not be far behind. Um, how about the how about the Braves? Yeah. Oh, Braves. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, it's Vizcaino for now. But he isn't. That's another guy where and and terrible. <laughs> I, yeah. Okay. So so now they matter. Now that's the different. spring. How's that yeah, different? That matters. How's that Because when a closer is walking people and doesn't have his velocity, it's not the same as a thirty-three-year-old starting pitcher guaranteed to pitch on opening day. I just don't think it's the same. So I and and Vizcaino. Unlike Fires, missed more than half of last season, so they're they're not remotely the same. But I, 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 all I can say is neither one has impressed me, and I yes. haven't seen any great you know great number of outings by either one. So it's not like it's a radical change, but neither one has impressed me. And you're right, Vizcaino, unimpressive this spring. Uh, White Sox. What team are you going to mention? I think White uh, Sox is column A, but... Who's... Yeah, they're, they're saying it's column A, and I think that that's... I, I feel like that was always, by design, the direction they would go. And if he struggles, then they move another guy in. I don't think that's committee at all. Arizona's the one that's catching my eye right now. How about you? Don't, you don't think it's Archie Bradley? I mean, you, oh. have, you list him as a top-ten closer. Yeah, I, I like him a lot, but the way Tori Lovolo is talking... That that's not locked down, and he even had comments just yesterday saying he has not decided. And the fact of the matter is, Yoshihisa Hirano is the one who's pitching best of the three. Then Bradley, who's had a so-so spring, and then Greg Holland, who's had what I'd characterize awful. as an awful spring. Yeah, he's. How can Greg Holland still be in a closer situation after what happened last know. year? I I think they want to do everything they can to maximize Bradley's usage in the Rysel Iglesias mold, where if they want to throw him two innings, seventh and eighth, because those are the key matchups, they're going to go that way. But I, I got to think it's Bradley, don't you? I do. And I think the Reds, David Bell might use Rysel Iglesias the way Sir Anthony Dominguez is, but I think with more saves. Like, it's possible that Iglesias doesn't doesn't even sniff 25 saves himself. So um, it's interesting. We didn't really get much time to talk about it, but your bold predictions, some great ones in here, MVPs, Cy Youngs, a lot of closer situations, including the Cubs, where you say, well, just tease one. A guy <laughs> I didn't even like mention as a save guy, really, but you like him. For the Carl cu- Edwards. Yeah, for, yes. for the Cubs. I know. And, and <laughs> it wasn't even the one I thought was the boldest, the Red Sox one I thought was more yeah. bold. But you know what? Carl Edwards, and again, I don't want to rely too much on the spring performance here, but on a guy like this, where Carl Edwards' biggest question has been control, I have been impressed by the improved control so far. He has the electric stuff, and if he reigns in the walks, the upside is tremendous. Red Sox, Darwin's on Hernandez. Learn the name, says Tristan. Yeah. I like it. Away. I like it's a bold pick. Yeah. I just, I, I find it hard to believe that they would do that. Um, it's, it's more of a, look, this is the problem I have with the Red Sox. And, and, and by the way, we should tease your closer, your, your saves predictions. You covered bullpens from all 30 teams here. It's one of my favorite articles. And you, you made your predictions for the Red Sox and you, 
I mean, you had a pick there, but I feel like it's hedging a little like I am. I don't think the Red Sox current guys are the ones who are going to be locked into that role all year. I think there's going to be mixing and matching, and they're talking about Hernandez making the team. That's very interesting. He's he's a lefty. He has never pitched a AAA, and he wasn't even a closer in the minors. So I just feel like it's wishful thinking, but you're right. He could get in there. I think Matt Barnes has the job, keeps the job, and we're all underrating him. Um, all right, lots of good stuff coming up. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabelle. Um, ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the very first day. Right now, listeners to this fine show can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabell. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash K-A-R-A-B-E-L-L. ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabell. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Joining us now on the Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast, the greatest, Stefania Bell, to talk injuries. She's out on the West Coast. She's going to be checking out some spring training games soon, and we'll ask her about that as well. Stefania, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. That time of year, it's exciting. There are games happening in Japan. Games of Two games have been played. There's only like, what, 2,400 more, Tristan, to go, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so like, 2,400 and something, yeah. Um, let's start with the New York Yankees, one of the most popular teams in baseball. They've got some injury issues here. Luis Severino with the shoulder, Aaron Hicks uh, with the back, and Troy Tulowitzki, who's actually looked good this spring, wondering if you have thoughts on the Yankees. I do. Actually, I made the Yankees a point of my Florida rounds. Uh, at the time that I went down there, obviously, Luis Severino had recently gotten injured, so there was a lot of chatter around that. I spoke with Brian Cashman about Severino, and you know, one of the things that he pointed out was that before they did the big money extension with him, they had done an MRI on his shoulder. I mean, that's due diligence. It's part of what you normally do just to see if there are any health concerns. And there was nothing that came up. And then there he was in the spring. He threw a slider. I mean, it was literally just one pitch uh, that caused him to feel something that wasn't right in the shoulder. And as is protocol in professional sports, you get another MRI. And lo and behold, the two MRIs really looked the same. So I think for the Yankees, there was some comfort there knowing that there was nothing that was really dramatically different. This was not a big injury per se. That being said, Whenever you have a pitcher who has something going on with their shoulder, they feel something in their shoulder, especially when you're in the spring, you don't want this to turn into a major problem. So uh, they treated it like some inflammation around the rotator cuff, uh, backed him off, and now he's back to playing catch, but you're not going to see him likely um, before May, and they will take their time because they want to make sure when they bring him back he's healthy enough to do so. Uh, Aaron Hicks developed back stiffness in the spring, Again, back problems, you know, where do you begin? When is back stiffness just a sore back that you wake up with, and when is it something that you really need to be concerned about? I think uh, for for the Yankees, the concern is that it's lingering 
a little bit, and they don't want to see it become a chronic problem in the season. He's now had two cortisone injections. I think he had had one at the time that I stopped by. Um, and but and he's saying he's feeling great now after he's had two, but we're going to see when he starts swinging the bat, which, of course, puts rotation through your spine. That will challenge him the most. Um, how will he handle that? And And already the Yankees have backed him off from being available for the opening series of the season. So I, I think there's fingers crossed there, but it's really hard to predict when he's going to be 100% because they just haven't been able to test him that far yet. I think one of the most interesting acquisitions for the Yankees this year is Troy Tulowitzki. We know he's a talented player, but certainly he's somebody I've talked about over the years because of his numerous appearances on the injury report. Um, number of soft tissue injuries that he's had, and most recently coming off bilateral heel surgery. I asked Cashman why take a chance on Troy Tulowitzki. What made you confident that this would be uh, something that would be good for you? And he said, well, that you know they put him through a pretty stre- strenuous uh, workout and to evaluate him before they brought him in, and they felt like he moved really well. You know, he looked good coming off the heel surgery, which again, there was hard to know. Uh, just how well this would address some of the problems that he's complained of. But there's a feeling that what was going on with his heels may have contributed to some of the other um, injuries up the chain, which would stand to reason from a PT perspective. And uh, let's face it, he's playing on a different surface now um, out of Toronto. Uh, play, and he, he's been feeling good all through the spring. He's obviously hit a couple home runs and, as Cashman pointed out, that they don't need him to necessarily be full season healthy. They need him to help them get over the hurdle until they get Didi Gregorius back. Didi Gregorius, of course, coming back from Tommy John surgery that he had in October of last year and, and doing quite well, um, cleared for dry swings uh, at the start of last week and now playing catch, throwing about 120 feet. So he's on track but on track for what? There's not a hard timeline for his return, but I think if they keep it a soft approach that they hope to have him by the middle of the season, if Troy Lewitsky can stay healthy and hit the way he's hitting for them until the All-Star break, uh, they're in great shape. So from one uh, middle infielder who used to dominate the fantasy play rater to one who did it more often and more recently in Jose Altuve. Stefania, I'd like to know about how things are going with this recovery from knee surgery. One of the concerns I have is that he was a borderline top 10 overall pick for me, now hovering more in the second round there. He's been dealing with some other little day-to-day issues during spring training. Uh, what is the reason for optimism with him? What's the update? Well, I stopped by the Astros as well, and they are feeling very good about where Altuve is. Part of the reason I stopped by was checking on his knee, but he had just developed this left side soreness, which is, I think, what you're referring to. That's sort of the thing that got him and held him out for a week in the spring. I I got the impression the Astros were not really worried about this, but if you get a player like Altuve who feels anything in the realm of discomfort, especially when they're coming off of a – pretty significant surgery, you just don't need, feel the need to push it. I mean, this is a guy who works incredibly hard. Uh, they know that when he's ready, he will play, and he's already returned to action. So uh, we don't have to worry about him being ready for the start of opening day, other than from a conditioning standpoint, you want to make sure that he can get through nine innings. I think they were very pleased with how he looked prior to developing that soreness. He had a a fracture essentially in his kneecap. <laughs> the way it was described to me is that there aren't 
two guys in Major League Baseball who would have been trying to play through what he was playing through. He was just trying to get through the discomfort to finish out the year last year. And as soon as, as, soon as they were out of it, uh, he was in surgery. And the, and the reason for the, the lengthy recovery is because to address it surgically, you have to essentially remove, lift the quad tendon. That's where the, the injury was. And so you have to get your strength back in your quad to 100%. Uh, and that can take some time. But, uh, again, the team very, very pleased with where he is. It's just a matter of getting him up to conditioning level for a full season. Let's talk Dodgers now because um, I know you're going to see them. Corey Seager, you mentioned D.D. Gregorius coming back from Tommy John surgery. Same with Seager, but he also had a hip procedure on the, a torn labrum in the offseason. That concerns me a little bit more. And, of course, their closer, Kenley Jansen, anytime someone has a heart procedure, we, all, we, we always worry. His numbers last year look good on paper, but a lot of home runs allowed, lower velocity. I'm a little worried about Jansen. Talk about Seager and Jansen, please. Corey Seager, as you mentioned, but Tommy John, like when is it that we're like, oh, Tommy John is the secondary thing, right? But when you're a yeah. shortstop, it kind of is, <laughs> you know, you think, because we expect them to, we expect position players to come back and come back strong. And, and for the most part, I think we've seen that there really haven't been um, failures in uh, positional return. Sometimes catchers can take a little longer because of all the throwing, but shortstops, even though they have to make the hard throws, uh, the structured timetable for their return seems to be fine. And as we know, Seager did not get deep into the season last year by any means before the elbow became an issue and he had to get it addressed. Um, we knew there was a problem going into last year. We thought he was going to be okay. I actually went to the Dodgers last year in the spring, and I, I bought it when he said his elbow was feeling good. And I thought there was reason for optimism, and then uh, that didn't last too long. So everybody should feel good about the fact that he got that taken care of because now that should not be an issue for him. Um, the hip, look, we've seen players do this before where they know there's something going on with their hip. You can play through a torn labrum in many cases, but you may not be able to play as well. It, it can catch. It can limit your range of motion. It can be a source of discomfort that's on and off. And I think when he knew he was going to be down for this extended period of time, it was time to get it addressed. And he, again, had the benefit of having this extended downtime more than he really needed to actually get his hip back into shape. So I think the way I look at it from PT standpoint, the fact that he was addressing all of these things together, I actually think that bodes better for him because he could really take his time and address each of those things separately while working on coming back uh with the eye on the season and the fact that he's been uh, cleared to play, he's he's getting back into it. I'm looking forward to seeing him in action this weekend. I think I'll know a little bit more about how I feel after I actually see him play, but uh, I'd be worried if he was not getting into any games at all before the season started. The fact that he is, I think, should make all of us feel a little bit better. And as far as Kenley Jansen, uh, we've seen this kind of thing before in a couple of professional athletes. NFL players, uh, uh, baseball, uh, basically a procedure where they get an irregular, they have an irregular heartbeat that can cause their them to get like a racing pulse, for example. They, they get the symptoms associated with that. There's something that is causing them to have an irregularity there, and they undergo a procedure that basically gets their electrical system of their heart on track. It's not, um, of course, it's your heart. So it, it makes you pause, right? We hear that. It, it, it makes us 
apprehensive. But as these procedures go, I think the cardiologist would say they're you know fairly routine. Uh, the recovery is no reason that he can't return to his full activity. I don't think the uh, cardiac issues have anything to do with what we saw in terms of the velocity drop that you mentioned. I think those are uh, baseball musculoskeletal concerns that you worry about with any kind of pitcher when you start to see a drop off there. Um, but you never know. And so uh, I, I don't know how, how that's going to factor into this year. You know, you hope he gets it back to being the dominating closer that he was, but I think that remains to be seen. Stefania, I've got to wrap with a uh, final question about uh, the most exciting prospect in baseball. I, I know that I hope you're as excited as Eric and I are over Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Just he's going to be an amazing player, but he's got this oblique issue. And of course, the service time question. What's your outlook on him from an injury perspective? Well, I got in trouble. <laughs> Pierre Bequet may not speak to me again. I was told to keep a distance from Vlad Jr. I went to the Jays camp really just to see him swing because of course, that video of him with the one-handed swing had gone viral, and uh, I knew he'd be an exciting young player to watch. I go to a spring training game, and it, just everything, the excitement when he comes out, and he was leading the team onto the field. I mean, he carries himself with a certain swagger that's, uh, you know, a confidence, young, aggressive player, and I was so excited to see him. And I saw his first at-bat. I could only stay for a couple innings. Um he struck out, but I saw this big swing, and I remember thinking, wow, there is so much power. I mean, he is, a, if you see his lower half, you know where the power comes from. And I thought, <laughs> I remember thinking, that's a really big swing. When you have a swing and a miss, that's a lot of torque through your body. You know, a lot of torque through the trunk when you have a big swing and a miss. And I left to go over to the Yankees, and only to find out that. Later that day, some of the players had to go for follow-ups, MRIs, because there were injuries in that game. And sure enough, I come to find out, Vlad oh, Jr. No. was one of them. Oh, no. <laughs> like, oh, that's kidding? breaking news if I ever heard it. <laughs> I mean, I, can't, I don't think I'm to blame because I didn't actually witness the injury. I had left the facility before it happened. Uh, but it did happen that day, that game. And... Look, the good news, all kidding aside, the good news, grade one, so the most mild form of an oblique strain you can have, uh, the estimation that it would be at least three weeks, well, you know, it's interesting, right, that that coincides with about the amount of time they would need to keep him down in the minors. So I think it just worked out well that you don't have to worry about hearing from the Blue Jays what they are going to do with him because the injury sort of took care of that. I do think from an injury standpoint, it's interesting that that concern kind of ran through my mind and then it ended up being something for him. I think when you have a big, strong power hitter, these are some of the types of things that you worry about. I don't think this is a long-term concern for him. They'll make sure that he does not come back too quickly so that it isn't. Um, but it's kind of something to watch as he goes forward in his career. All right, that's the awesome Stefania Bell. You can check her out on the Fantasy Focus football podcast, which is on constantly. Uh, enjoy your time out in the warm weather of spring training, Stefania, and we hope to have you on one of our shows again soon. 
I hope to join you again soon. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to talk to you guys. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it is hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Make SeatGeek your go-to ticket stores for everything, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. We have the SeatGeek app on our phones, and it's by far the easiest way we have found to shop for tickets, and we have used the SeatGeek app to buy tickets to baseball games multiple times in the past. Best of all, listeners to this fine show get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code FFB today. That's promo code FFB for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek. Life is an event. We have the tickets. All right. Uh, I would think if there's this is it draft weekend. This is the last draft weekend, really, because the games, the other games, start to count next Thursday, a week from today. I guess you could draft then. Oh, let's go, Roto well. does. How many drafts do you have left, Tristan? Uh, I've got four drafts left. My big draft weekend with three this weekend. I don't have any of the traditional old school where we draft the first weekend after opening day. Do you? No, I I don't. I dropped out of a league that did that. Um, I don't have a problem doing that. I, I think it's going to be funny. If I was doing a draft next week, if Hunter Strickland you know, ended up getting drafted ahead of Corey Knable, that would make me laugh. But it probably all happened. Um, but... I, you can't overrate what you see the first couple of games, but I will be looking forward to next Thursday, a, a slew of games on ESPN, and next Sunday night baseball, which we'll get into next week, Braves and Phillies, that'll be a lot of fun. Maybe I'll even try to go to one of the games. But um, Kyle, I'm sure there are many questions. Let's try to get to as many as we can in the short amount of time we have left. We'll go quick on these. Thomas wants to know, if you give A.J. Pollock 550 at-bats this year, where is he going to finish ranked? Well, um, he's certainly capable of stealing 30-plus bases and hitting at least 15 home runs, even in Los Angeles. I, I kind of like A.J. Pollock. My only concern is durability. Yours? Durability, yeah, is the question. If we're going to give this promise here, I'll tell you that scaling the past three numbers to 550, it's a 24-24 player, and I think he does have that kind of power potential. I think the speed goes down. So top 20 outfielder if he gets there, and that's asking a lot. Yeah, I'd say between 15 and 20 if he gets that many at-bats, which probably sells him a little bit short, but fair enough. Alrighty. Matt has an only leagues questions. He wants to know if there's any pitchers coming off a significant injury that you'd be willing to roll the dice on. He's thinking along the lines of Pinata, Volquez, Smiley, pitchers of the like. Yeah, Michael Pineda has, uh, he's on the Twins now, has big strikeout potential. He would probably, would he lead my list of that? Guys coming back from injury. Because, like, if you're talking about A or N onlys, I mean, I'm all into, like, Matt Strom of the Padres and Luke Allen. Like, give me the shares, right? <laughs> They're Logan, both making the Logan rotation. Logan Allen, I think, right? Logan Padres Allen, right. Logan what Allen, I said? Yeah. Luke Allen. I don't remember what I said. That's all right. They know um, it is. L. Allen of the Padres. Right. But, like, coming off injury, I mean, certainly Pineda would be one of those guys. I'm trying to avoid all Texas Rangers starting pitchers. I know you ended up with Mike Miner in one of our leagues, but... 
Shelby Miller, Drew Smiley, Edinson Volquez. I, I can't get interested. I just, I can't. Smiley's um, kind of like a dollar th- dart throw, you know, and that's an AL only league, just to be very clear. I mean, he's interesting from that aspect just because, remember, we were all excited about him three to five years ago. Uh, Alex Reyes, I mean, but we have questions about the innings. Julio Urias, but we have a question about the innings. I think they've got great live arms there. Uh, another one came to mind when I when I first saw this question, and now I'm missing it. So I'll, yeah, see if you can. Irvin think of Santana, guy. maybe any interest in Irvin Santana? Nah, yeah, that's another White guy Sox. where he was he was. I mean, he's working up to full strength. I, I there's just not enough upside there. Another guy doesn't get case. Caleb Smith, actually, that was the other guy. Oh, he's an interesting fellow. Yes, I would say that. Uh, okay, next. All right, Kohlberg wants to take your guys' advice and wait on a catcher, considering he plays in a one-catcher league, but it's a 16-teamer. Who should he be targeting in the late rounds as a sleeper catcher? 16-team league. I hope it's only one catcher. Just one. <laughs> okay, because can you imagine? Like, there are there aren't even 16 catchers to roster, yet alone 32. Um, let's see. I mean, my favorite guys, and I'm taking them even in standard 10 teams, is Francisco Mejia, the Padres, who in the first month may not play over Austin Hedges. And the other one, I don't know why he's dropped so far, Wellington Castillo of the White Sox, who I think it can be a top 10 catcher for sure. Nothing changed from last year to me. If those guys actually – and Castillo is going 17th in ESPN Standard Leagues among catchers, which is mystifying to me. Those would be the two guys I would jump out. And Williams Estadio, the Twins, but I just don't know how much he plays. Yeah, Astadio is battling Tyler Austin, who's out of options for a roster spot. So there's some risk involved there. But I love the the high floor guy. So, Eric, from your the angle here where you said Mejia, I love Mejia and I love Astadio in the deeper leagues just because they're not going to hurt you even if they play a limited amount of time. Uh, Isaiah Conner-Falifa could also be one of those. He's probably going to play about half the time for the Texas Rangers. Good ballpark. And I like the Castillo pick. All power. That's where his fantasy value is rooted, and he's in the right park where it'll play. And if you want an on-base guy, Omar Narvez of Seattle, he looked terrible at the plate these last two days, but he is a guy who gets on base if on-base percentage is your thing. All right, we got two more. Benny wants to know, if you speculated on Dallas Keuchel during a draft and now are stuck with him, where are you hoping he lands? <laughs> Just hoping he lands at some point, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, he's that's, obviously not going, <laughs> he's not going to Denver. You want him to come back to Houston. That's what you want. He pitched so well there. I I, I won't even draft him now. There's a, I think he's a 50-50 shot. He doesn't sign at all. People were complaining that Gio Gonzalez, all he could get was a, a, a one-year, $3 million deal. And I was like, well, you don't know what he was asking for, for one. And Gio Gonzalez isn't all that good. If you look at his ERA and whip, it's just nothing special. So we don't have any idea what Keiko wants. He's not a strikeout guy to start with. He's going to miss April, even if he signs today. I... Milwaukee? I mean, where where do you want him? I want Houston first. Uh, I actually kind of want Tampa first. Trust the. But why would they do that? I I it's I know, I'm, but it's where do we want him? I, I look. I, right. I think they're a competitive team. I think that's a great ballpark for a pitcher. I trust the regime. I think they can squeeze the most out of him. I think it would signal that they see something workable with him, which is a big big plus. Of the realistic ones, I want to see him with the Phillies. I know that hurts some of the other guys who I like an awful lot, but that's a National League park facing the pitcher. You know, once uh, you know the, the pitcher's in the lineup instead of the DH, that's a plus. Rather see him in the NL than the AL, wouldn't you? I, of course. I mean, San Diego, if I could choose, but I don't want him to block Allen or Paddock. I don't want him to block Pavetta or Zach Eflin, who look great. 
I mean, if, and they're not converting Vince Velasquez to a relief pitcher anytime soon. So Phillies don't have room for him. Not I mean, a lot of teams you know, do at this point. I don't see him signing. It's going to take a major injury to somebody. I mean, maybe the Yankees, if Severino's out for more than a month, maybe the Yankees would do it. But I, you know, they already just signed somebody this week. I don't right. see the Phillies doing it. I don't see the Padres doing it. And with Kimbrell, you know, maybe the Brewers know something about Knable and Jeffers that we don't, that this is going to be a long time because I can't understand why they would do it. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm, if I'm drafting this weekend, I'm just avoiding Keiko. Yep. And Kimbrell, to put it in perspective, I would still take him over Hunter Strickland, but I'd think about it because honestly, I still think Strickland's getting 20 saves. I can't tell you Kimbrell's going to get 20 saves. He might not sign anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, the saves today are so important. So from that aspect, I could completely see that. All right. All right, we'll get out of here on one last one. Matt read Tristan's bold predictions article and wants Eric to make one and then Tristan to tell him why he's wrong. (laughs) I didn't see that part in the the tweet. (laughs) I expanded a little bit. I didn't I do well I guess my clothes or all my stuff on saves came out this week so that that's bold stuff um yeah I should have looked in you had one in there I was gonna you did have one in there did I yes you did what we was, talked what, about what it was over the, text what was it Halos. oh the angels Ty Buttry getting 25 saves that's bold I guess it, you're you're I mean, predicting I, I, a collapse for Allen I think I think we've already seen it. I don't have to predict it. We've already seen the collapse for Cody Allen. I mean, I think Ty Butchery is better than Cody Allen right now, so I think the Angels will have to go to that way at some point soon. I mean, unless Cody Allen just totally turns things around. Um, I have Alex Bregman winning the American League Cy Young Award. I mean, not Cy Young. <laughs> That's a whole There it is. Tristan, why is he wrong with this prediction? Um, <laughs> let MVP. me count the ways. <laughs> I, my bold prediction is that most of Tristan's bold predictions will not be right. Um, I think that's I have, a fair I, guess, too. <laughs> all right. I have Bregman winning the AL MVP. I like it. You want a bold prediction? Sure. No one's going to like this. Christian Yelich does not hit 25 home runs. Love it. I don't think that's that bold. No, I like that call. I just – I'm sorry. That that, home, that fly ball right in the second half. People, Look, he can still be a top 10 outfitter, stealing his bases, batting 310. Just be careful here about that home run power. I, I, he could easily be a ground ball machine again. Anything else? Like, I, I would love to be even bolder. I like Benatendi more than you. I was just going to say, weren't we saying Benatendi potentially over Yelich? You willing to go that far? If, if he only hits 24 home runs? Yeah, sure. Benatendi can steal more bases. He could score just as many runs. They're both batting leadoff, right? But that's, I, that's a, that's, I don't rank it that way, so I shouldn't say that. Put it on the board. I think Benetton. I think uh, Yelich is going five for five in the the Roto. Oh, you know what? Here it is. Joey Votto out homers. Christian Yelich. I like That's that. Okay, but also not that bold. <laughs> okay. No, I like it. I think you're. I think you're coming up with fair projections there. But I don't. To, to me, those don't. It does doesn't doesn't shock me if Votto hits more homers. I'll be like, you know. Okay. Yeah. It happens. Cedric Mullins steals thirty five bases. Ooh. Okay. I like that. Because I got him in tout. If I hadn't gotten him in tout, I would project six. But I got him in three. <laughs> no homerism here. <laughs> I love it. Right. I, I love it. That is all. Please enjoy your NCAA tournament safely. Enjoy the games. Lots of them this weekend. We'll be back on Monday, actually, and next Thursday for the entire season, we hope. And we'll talk baseball again on Monday. So many people to thank for today's show. Of course, the awesome Stefania Bell. 
uh, lending knowledge with injuries. And, of course, our editorial watchdog, Leo Howe. I don't think we said anything wrong. Kyle Soppy doing many jobs at ESPN and doing them awesomely. Tristan, love you. Eric, I'm out of here. Have an awesome weekend. Everything is awesome. Darkness. The theme song for the Fantasy Focus was created and performed by Eric Hutchinson. Check out more of his music at erichutchinson.com. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Focus. For more great podcasts, log on to the iTunes Music Store or Pod Center at ESPNRadio.com.